Welcome to Death Readers. I'm Doug. I'm Rob. This is episode 143 of Death Readers, the podcast where Rob and I read books we have not yet read for the first time. At least one of us hasn't read it. Uh, in this episode, we're going to be reading Hannibal by Thomas Harris, chapters 50 slash 51 through 68, because uh, someone, my, my, my illustrious partner, just didn't quite finish the job last episode, so he's got some retroactive oh, chaptering to review. Such, such... Scathing critiques of that first chapter. <laughs> yeah. Or take it down a peg. This, 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 yeah, no. What? <laughs> <laughs> you were supposed to have uh, have read that chapter and had had insights because I was all that, that chapter was so rich last time for me. Oh man, it was it was good. It was a good chapter, right? Did that you did you miss that chapter again? <laughs> Did you skip it again? <clears throat> it, was, uh, it was chapters 51 through 68, right? Yeah, except for you, who needed to read chapter 50, the chapter you had skipped last episode. Oh, what a turd if I had done that. Oh. No, I read it. Okay. Problem with that chapter, and I'm going to tell you what it is. <laughs> <laughs> chapter 50. I have so much editing to do. <laughs> Problem with that chapter, Doug, is you uh, you really knocked it out of the park because it was a ending chapter, and you. Uh, I was reading through it. And I'm like, I've already read this. Nope. Doug read whole swaths of this last time. Did I? I don't remember doing that, but I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like uh, right here on the first page. <laughs> Uh, Krindler trying to work Dick into the conversation. Yeah, it's that. I, I did mention that. You mentioned that. Uh, you mentioned Krindler again saying Starling was a cold fish and Margot taking him down. I did that. I don't remember if you mentioned Doctor Dumbling trying to uh, nitpick at Barney. And clearly feeling superior for being a doctor and not a nurse. That is chapter 51, I think. That's why I didn't mention that. That's No, I read 50. We didn't read... Oh, shit. Shut up. <laughs> Everyone stop. Everyone stop what they're doing. <laughs> just, it's just for the <laughs> sake... <laughs> no, it was 50. Barney isn't No, you're right. 50. It's yours, 51. God damn it. Fucking fuck. I, it's just for the sake of my honor, I must protest and, and be right here that I, it Look, wasn't that you're I right. didn't We're going to go it. back. I'm not saying shit. Doctor Who, I don't fucking care. Boom, 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 Doctor Who. Boo. Um. Boo. This is the longest chapter that we read this entire episode, though. 50? 50. You which mean, you didn't even read. I, I didn't read it again, because I, I already I, Now, done I told it. you to read it again. Maybe you did. The problem but was I already is, read it. By, 
By Kindle Metrics. I can do this. By Kindle Metrics. I'm not going to cut out any of my shit. The world, the, re- the world and the reader and the listener are going to get me unfettered. What was I saying? I, and I thought last by episode Kindle, was too long. By Kindle Metrics. This is a two-minute chapter. Every other chapter in this uh, is one minute long. There's a lot of fucking one-minute chapters. But anyways, as I was saying, I've got nothing. You said it all last time. <laughs> Did you pick up on... Uh, it's only important because it does kind of come up later in other chapters we'll read in we'll read in this episode. Um how much the the uh, it, it feels like the the a real obvious start to Krenler being extremely homophobic. Is there a way? Is there a word for homophobia that isn't actually like phobia? Because that's like a misnomer. Um, it's uh, just hatred. Like 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 just. Uh, am I missing it? Is everyone use this other term that exists? Because I, I feel like. It's become pretty ubiquitous, um, but I mean, doesn't all fear stem from, or all hatred stem from fear? Um, if you're if you're if you're Yoda, yes, but well, there um, we go. But I think that there's like stop being so dark side phobic. I think that there's uh, plenty of opportunities, and we don't need to get into all the myriad of them where uh, hatred comes from, not fear at all, like retribution. Uh, abuse. I think that can all still be boiled down to fear. I I, I think that I'm... I, all I'm saying is I'm open to a world where uh, people can be more diverse than that and have a variety of reasons for hatred that have nothing to do with fear. It just doesn't seem... It doesn't seem essential to me. See, I, I'm more of the... Uh, there are three primary colors, right? And they make up all the other colors. It's fear, sex... And what food? Um, That's it, man. I think I'm. A, um, this is a, a three, three, three motivations. This is an odd end of a, of a deep end of a kiddie pool. I'm just gonna step out of because it doesn't make sense to me. But <clears throat> I don't know what you're talking about. It's like being like, "There's man, look at me, man. I'm a guy who had, look. I'm a three vegetable guy. Okay, look, all other vegetables come from the three vegetables that I. There's my vegetables that we got." Onions, corn, and watermelon. And people are gonna say watermelon is not a vegetable. Same thing. People are gonna say watermelon is not a vegetable, and they're wrong. You know why they're wrong? It's a vegetable to me. Because vegetables aren't colors, man. (laughs) But emotions, emotions are colors. What was your last emotion though? Wasn't it like? The equivalent of watermelon to corn? No, no. You said food. You said food was an emotion. That's what you said. So again, fear, sex, food. Yeah, Yeah. sex. Sex also not an emotion. Oh, sex is emotion. The way I do it. Okay, so I'm just I'm gonna step out of this because I know this is not what you were expecting. I'm sorry. I stopped. I will try. I don't know what you're talking about. This is, no, I think you're you're overthinking this. I'm just saying that if let's say hate, hatred is the subject, right? If right. someone I meant me. It, fine, you can have only hatred based in fear. I'm no, I meant this. no. I meant never mind. 
I'm saying I'm not what you expected. Yeah, I know what you meant, and I was trying to give okay. you a pass saying I don't care. Um, okay. It's okay. it's not a big deal. Stop overthinking okay. it. Um, hey man, I ain't thinking nothing. <laughs> yeah. If you think <laughs> think food's an emotion, that's pretty clear. But I'm just saying, if someone like murdered your father, mm. you don't like Indigo Montoya doesn't fear the six fingered man. He hates him because he killed his father. No fear doesn't enter the equation. He's fearless when he comes to facing that guy. Or. Or he's afraid of what life will be like without that driving need for revenge. No, that's that's extremely nitpicking, because if that was the case, he wouldn't actually complete his task, which he does. He's afraid. No, he's not. (laughs) Of looking like a person who didn't exact revenge for his father. Yeah, this is remember when we read Harry Potter and. There was all these times I'd be like, why is this the case? And then you'd bring in exterior information, like external information, stuff that had nothing to do with the story. And you were like, no, no, because of this. And I was like, yeah, but it's not in the book. And you were like, that's okay. (laughs) I don't remember that at all. That sounds like a a piece of crap book. I covered all the bases. uh, JK didn't. Uh, I was like, okay, all right, well. We did a lot. We've done a lot of learning on this podcast. The point is, we are done with chapter fifty, and there's no better word for homophobia besides phobia, <laughs> or food, or food. Sexy food is another section of emotional spectrum that I'm unaware of. Where's Where's the Green Lantern for that? Right? <laughs> nope. That's not what I didn't really want you to start thinking about it. Um, <laughs> uh, what would that color be? That's why you taste the rainbow, Doug. Okay. <clears throat> so now that we're 20 minutes in, we can start with the actual episode that we we're supposed to do now. Um, let's start with chapter 51, where Mason has hired Barney, the former orderly at the Baltimore Hospital for the Criminally Insane, as his new nurse. At Mason's request, Barney answered Krendler and Dumbling? Yeah, I feel it's one of those stupid <laughs> names where the D-O-E is a, D-O-E-M is pronounced dumb. Dumbling. Also, Barney, you know, illustrates yeah, that later. right. Uh, Krendler and Dumbling's questions about the nature of Hannibal's, uh, Hannibal and Starling's relationship. This chapter is a wonderful continued condemnation of a class of people who should be referred to as the successful idiot. Barney, the only person in the room besides Mason with first-hand experience with Dr. Lecter, is insulted and belittled by Krendler and Dombling, men who believe their own success and prestige entitle them to punch down. The successful idiots decide the best way to capture Lecter is to bait him by publicly embarrassing or harming Clarice. I like the successful idiot as a villain in this I mean, story. he's definitely, this book's, well, not this book's, but a, a variant on Chilton. Yes, th- there's, there's, there's still a Chilton presence here. Mm-hmm. Who hurt Thomas Harris? <laughs> like, like it's, I think one of the things that resonates here is that I think we've all had that boss who seems inept or... Rival like, in business or love. Well, no, I mean very specifically this archetype of, like, a superior in some sort of professional capacity who 
you can identify as that person is not intelligent. Like that person does not have, or at least is not exhibiting traits of intelligence at this moment. Mm-hmm. And every moment I've interacted with them yet somehow through a twist of fate, they are a, my superior. So there's this sort of like dichotomy of respect where like, I need to respect this person because of their station, but they're also they're dumb. And because they're insecure about being dumb in their high powered position they're going to Mm -hmm. try to reestablish that they deserve that position by hurting people beneath them okay okay because i wasn't sure where you're getting the superiority at first but that makes sense um yeah i'm sure it was a shitty boss yeah it it must have been must have been a shitty boss (laughs) like like imagine how much like hatred and, and anger Thomas Harris must have endured in order to write these, to persistently put these characters in his stories. I mean, I, I, and after the takedown of, of uh, print media with the tattler and uh, knowing he was a reporter, it would probably stand to reason this was an editor that lorded over him that he couldn't, pa- you know, print stories unless it passed a certain muster. There is a lot of, be, be, seeing all of this, like, resentment that he like funneled his personal resentment that it seems like he i'm gonna i'm gonna guess he's funneling into this book it kind of makes a lot more sense why you're attracted to it so much what is that supposed to be saying i'm resentful i think that you harbor in your in your behaviors you definitely harbor a lot of like uh spitefulness you're not wrong (laughs) I will say that whilst reading this very section of book, I remarked aloud to my wife, I really like this Thomas Harris guy's outlook on life. <laughs> Regarding a specific chapter we'll get to later. Um, that I was just like, yes, yes, agree with this. Yes, uh-huh, yes. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I can see that. I can see what you're saying. There's a We speak a similar language in a way. When it comes did, to others. Did we talk about the saga of the multiple times you've left fast food drive throughs on this show? Oh, shit. Oh, it makes me look like such a bitter little bitch. <laughs> you don't want to do that. <laughs> Especially since it happened again recently. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Take us through it, Doug. Um, well, from my perspective, because I've never witnessed this. I've only heard about it multiple times, um, which is so funny because it never happens to me and I would take it. I know. Um, so, so maybe, um, so the, uh, for the I, listener, you may be familiar with the idea, the sort of loose and somewhat pompous perspective of, or, or, or mentality or identity <laughs> of, of, uh, ideology rather of, of paying it forward. This concept of, um, it doing deliberately doing something for someone else so that and then you tell them this is why you're doing it so that then you sort of bequeath them with an additional responsibility to continue doing the same kind of good deed this other person did for you out of a out of a blanket ob- obligation that you didn't sign up for or or want 
I mean, it's a little pettier than that. You're also requiring that person to accept your goodwill, regardless of if they want it. Well, that well, that's sort of no. I think that comes later for me in, in the way I oh, okay. understand. Okay, okay, so interesting, like, interesting. So, so you have so, to take it first before you pay it for it. But no, I think you are presented with the opportunity first, and that's what okay. that's what keeps happening. Is okay. That pe- people will present. So people so. It, the pay forward concept is again you 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 decide I want to do some good in the world and I'm gonna d- sacrifice and uh, give unto others and then in doing so again sort of require or suggest or pressure them to continue doing the same thing. So e- even but also it, doing the barest fucking minimum. It, it, I'm not going to oh, go yeah. to a soup kitchen. I'm not going to write a letter to an editor. <laughs> let's let's wanna... wait, hold on. Just let, let, mm, me get, okay, let me get okay. through the concept first. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. I know. <laughs> Getting so, steamed already. He's, yeah, he's pissed. Um, Although so, there are much pettier reasons that this happened, but go ahead. We'll get sure, to it. Sure, sure, we'll, sure. We'll, we'll, we'll get to it. So, the uh, this all happens uh, it, normally. If you're not familiar with the concept, that's what it is. There's a whole movie about it. It's it's really uh, pompous and and shitty, and it's it's an imposition is the thing. It's, it's there's there's a level of it that is, um, it's 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 imposing your will upon others and sort of forcing your values on them, in a way that and then with an expectation that they didn't that they do the same even though they're not part of your decision making at all. And again, because it's all it's all about making the person who starts this train feel good about themselves. It's, it's a fucking ego boost. Because and and if it wasn't, if it was anything more than that, they would do something legitimately influential, like build a house with Jimmy Carter. There so, we go. So so like instead, it's always shit. Like I'm gonna buy this person who's also in my equivalent socioeconomic classes dinner, and then that's gonna make me feel better because then they're gonna keep passing this train down until nobody else is in the line. But that does nothing for the making the world better. It just makes a bunch of people who are basically making like making it through life okay feel like like patting each other on the back for doing okay. It's bullshit. Mm-hmm. So what happens to Rob is exactly that. Multiple times he will be he has been in the drive-through at a fast food restaurant. He will order his meal. He will go up to the window to pay for his meal, and the people in the in the window will hand him will, will like he'll go to pay. And they'll say, hey, actually, that car ahead of you, they paid for your meal. And I think at this point, basically without fail, the same thing happens as far as I understand every time, which is (laughs) Rob says, no, thank you, doesn't pay for his food, doesn't take the free food, just drives away. So now there's this food that's been made that someone else has already paid for. That no one's taking, that's just now it's Wendy's problem or whoever, whatever restaurant it is, it's their problem. To be fair, that only happened once. Uh, okay, like that's like okay. that. So that's that's how I understand the the situation, how it how it normally happens, which I so find I, fascinating. <laughs> I was I was in the drive through. When I'm in the drive through, I'm already in a state of I should have eaten a long time ago, and I'm gonna get this crap food because I do like it. But it is not good for me, and I need to eat. So hangry is already setting in, mm-hmm. and I'm sitting there and I'm waiting, and I've ordered, but the guy's taking for f- fucking ever, and I'm watching him in my mirror or in in, in my what, what do you call the thing that's not a mirror? My windshield, windshield my, my 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 front screen, my glass, <laughs> my car window, my car window. 
and he's talking to the person, and they're making their small talk. And I, I can't tell you the number of times I hate it when people are making small talk and flirting with the wait staff. Like, oh, I'm going to get her number. No, you're not. Shut up. Get out of my way. But he keeps looking back at me, and there's a twinkle in his eye. And I'm like, that motherfucker. He's going to buy my food, isn't he? I can, I can, he's going to fucking buy my meal. There's a million ways he can make the world better, but he thinks he's going to buy my meal, and I'm going to have a great, oh, oh, his fucking, oh, how dare he so, think so he's the, inside my head, that piece of shit. So the, 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 the anticipation for this thing you, you don't want and that you hate is already building. It, yes. And even if it, even if it wasn't going to be the way it is mm-hmm. in your mind, you're mm-hmm. already in hell. Like I'm even already if you, in hell. I'm already even if in you hell. Would, even if you were able to get to the the window and pay and everything would have been fine, you would yeah. have already tortured yourself with your oh, yeah. anticipation of this oh, absolutely. thing you don't like. Absolutely. And whatever the case, even if he's not paying for my food, he is certainly taking up valuable time that I could be eating my double cheeseburger or a quarter pounder or whatever the fuck. And then, yes, exactly as you said, I get up there. And just, I've got my card ready, and I'm handing it with this resigned air of, I know they're going to say what they're going to say. And they go, oh, actually. I think I think it was because, as he was talking to the person, they had to go get a manager oh. to affect this transaction, to approve it. And it was this big, you know, French farce inside the drive-thru. And I was just sitting there watching this whole thing unfold, not in the mood for a French farce. I was in the mood for some goddamn French fries. Ha-ha. <laughs> yeah. But again, it's it's an experience that you actually didn't sign up for. Correct. And that's a huge that seems like a huge thing for you is a like big, it is a big part of it. Is that you, having that agency stripped from me. It's right. such a nonsensical way, I admit. No, I, it's, I know it's this is petty. a failing of character on my part, but <laughs> And so yes, and they say, Well actually that gentleman already paid for your meal. And I just hung there for a second. In pure, in a, in, 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 in just a, just a, a moment of pure spite. Well, but also, like, I've got to imagine you're, like, it was me. This is how I imagine it happening, because yeah. if it was me, it would go like this. I would be instantly frozen with a dilemma. Like, well, now what do I do? I have no preparation for this. I either do something I feel like would lower my, myself than to make me, like, you know, a chump. And accept this guy's food because because it's that's what because the, the, now they're refusing that I for me to to pay for myself which I wanted right. to do. Now, if I still feel like I need to pay for something, I could pay for the next guy, but that just is right with that guy wanted, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. It's what that asshole wanted. And so also, I was planning on paying five bucks. That other person of... might have had like a forty dollar meal for the company. Yeah, I don't know exactly. But you have to sit there, like, figuring out, okay, now I've got a d- decision to make, and what's the decision? And you take – I don't even know if it's the high road. I'm not, not. sure what you'd call it. But, like, you – so what happens next? <laughs> well, in all honesty, I had already made my decision. I had planned this <laughs> spitefully staring at his – avuncular license plate and twinkly eye. And he also helped my decision by having taken so long that when he moved forward, his food was ready. He grabbed it and went. Now there was a, there was a clean shot. There was an escape. Right. Ready. 
And so I took my card back and I said, no, thanks. And I drove off. <laughs> That's so weird. I love it. <laughs> and then this was compounded a week later when taking my kid through a drive through who had done track or cross country or whatever and was starving. I'm like, we'll go get Burger King since we were talking about it. And for whatever reason you wanted that, fine. And there was a police officer in front of us who did the same pay it forward thing and bought our meal. Wow. And because I wanted to set a good example, I had to take it. I had to take <laughs> that cop food and feed my child. But I did not pay it forward. I said, thank you. Through Here, gritted teeth. Here's your meal with a side of Burger King's famous humble pie. <laughs> And then so last week, uh, <laughs> well, I want to point out hard. I, I love your your I love the trajectory and that your energy and you're running through this bit. But I gotta point out right in this moment, this motherfucker has done this twice at this point in the story. It's never happened to me, and I would take that shit. <laughs> Food was not paid. Nothing was paid for me. Fine, this go just, ahead. This is just pure uh, spite. Okay, but it happened in a drive-through. Okay, so. Last week, I just talked myself into wanting that uh, KFC chicken sandwich. Oh, yeah. And I there's nobody there. There's crickets. <laughs> and I'm like, this will go super quick. I'll get to work on time still. It'll be great. And I go through, and <clears throat> the woman opens with, how can you take my order? Oh, shit. And I didn't say anything. And she's, welcome to KFC. Uh, what can I get for you? And I went, nah, never mind. <laughs> and she was like, never mind. And I drove <laughs> off. Man, you you have a... Now, okay, so just for a little bit of context, you did you have worked in fast food before. I have. First so you, job, yes. You have had that experience of being those people. So oh, yeah. if anybody... Oh, to... I was... I was... Imagine me, and I got paid to speak into a microphone. I was so much more obnoxious. <laughs> Oh my god! And maybe that's where some of it came from. I don't know, but well, I was. It, it, it can't possibly come from you looking at these people and saying, I "This is do, serious." I could do so much better at being obnoxious than you. I, I can't even handle oh, no. your level of obnoxious isn't up to my up to snuff. So I'm leaving. <laughs> no, it was it was definitely a much pettier. I am not in the mood for this. How dare you <laughs> put this in front of me? So I the only I had a recent experience and not even close to as great as yours, but like, uh, like maybe as last what weekend. Is mine? Great. Um, oh, I think you said root, but that was no, no, no. As, as as great as yours, uh, the <sighs> I would never have talked about this story on the podcast if we hadn't had if I wasn't trying to just like peter off yours. I'm like I'm just trying to give you some falling action because you're you're at the you're at the peak right now. I'm just trying to bring it down a little. Sure, sure, um, sure. sure. Dang, uh, mommy. Yeah, like uh. Um, I think it was last weekend I went to um, Carl's Jr. Mm. And all I was there for was like a milkshake because they, you know, have ice cream and they make milkshakes. And it's not sure. the best, but it's available. And uh, not didn't go to DQ for that, huh? Well, no. So so I um, interesting was at Carl's Jr. And the, Carl's Jr. has the has two drive through lanes, right? But typical right. Carl's Jr., they only have one person actually taking the orders, so each lane only moves forward a little bit at a time. Yep. It's 
it, it's not that much better than having one lane, but they have two. So there's a arguably person, worse, but sure. A, yeah, there's a person in front of me when I pull in. There's only one person in the line in front of me who's not choosing a line yet. He's waiting for the two people who are in each line to, to figure out which one of them's moving forward first, and then he's going to jump in there. And so I'm, I, I pull in, and I'm sort of behind it, but he's far enough back where, like, I can easily go around him to get to one of the lanes. Mm-hmm. So I do. Fair. And I don't – I'm just, like, I'm not deal, I'm not continuing to back up traffic here so this guy can get first dibs on something that's – he's either going to be first or very next just by making a choice. Right. Plus, he's probably been here long enough to see – which line was moving maybe. And honestly, it doesn't matter. So I pull around him and I park as soon as I do that. And I get, or not park, but I get in the line. As soon as I pull around and I get in that second line, he starts laying on his horn. Like I cut him in line. Like I stole something from him. And then he takes my cue and pulls into the other line. Cause now I've removed this option, this, this, you know, supreme advantage from his life so now he's stuck with dealing with my leftovers mm-hmm. and and he's so he's spitting mad and and then uh as it would happen his line moves forward first and it doesn't matter <laughs> like it just it <laughs> it doesn't matter at all but there was just this amazing moment you could tell of like i could see it, i could see all these things that he had laid in place you know happening all at once mm-hmm where he had, I could see the mentality of like, I'm going to wait and I'm going to get the best one. And then I come in and I remove his choice and he, oh, I'm sure he I imagine the scenario is going to go like this. Yeah. And I'm entitled to that happening yes, because yes. I thought it happened. Yes. And or because you took he that was... away from me. So you've taken away my entitlement. But you not just disenfranchise me. But not even just the entitlement. It's also the like this, the, the superior position. Now he has to. Now he's lost his gamble. Now there's no longer a gamble. He just has to take what's left mm-hmm. because I came in first. And he he can't believe that because he, he – yeah, there, there's when the entitlement comes in because he was there first. He mm-hmm. deserves to have chosen which line to get, enter. And it's like all of this is so much overthinking and, and overcomplication for just get in the line, bro. Because And, and keep this in mind. This isn't like like I will do what he did at there's a McDonald's uh, in town that has a very similar two lane setup, but there's a bottleneck to getting into them. There's like mm-hmm. one lane into the two lane, so I will wait in the one lane sure. and, and and until one of those two lanes opens. I won't just move forward to one and then inch closer and then the person behind me inches closer to the other. I'll wait because I don't you know whatever it doesn't matter. There's no way someone could get around me to do what I did to this guy in that situation. So there's nothing better in that situation than to to move the line forward behind me than to wait for the right lane to open up, the correct lane. This guy, nothing. Anyway, <laughs> I think that, again, this is all – that that level of, like, resentment and spite that burns so fiercely in you is so clearly something that Thomas Harris – also experiences and that and that was one of those great examples that's why we spent 15 minutes on it was because like rob's just resentment for these people who arguably if you break it down all the context that we've applied to why the pay it forward model is is stupid um and it's it's like faux charity it's like it's like 
it's a pretend generosity. Um, Those are all valid points, and I agree with them. But that's that's never been the issue. I know it isn't really the issue, but I but I I just want to make sure no one thinks that I'm thinking that I'm some sort of hero. No, you're not. This This is this is all pure pettiness. It is, and I'm aware of it. And and you're not a hero, (laughs) and and I I agree. But I'm just saying, for people who are listening, who might be who might be turned off by the very idea that we would be we would criticize that practice. Mm -hmm. I just want to remind you, like I said earlier, it's, it is of itself a self congratulatory exercise. Yes. It it does no good in the real world. You're only giving good to people who can equally give good to people of equal stature. No one's lifting anybody up. You're just circle jerking on fast food. And that's and often causing a huge bottleneck within McDonald's because again they have to go get their manager to approve this whole thing. Yes, and, and, and in that way they hate it. Yeah, and, and in that way, that's the thing that's so disruptive and shitty about that that practice. So if you're gonna do it and you listen to this show, just know that we hate you, <laughs> and that you uh. You you should really not feel good about this thing you're you're doing. Um, For you shame. Should, you should know that people who are somewhat thoughtful are going to think that you are an asshole. And uh, if it was me, I'm just warning anybody who would ever fucking do this to me. All you imaginary people in the future, I oh, want so called generous. I fox. want you to do it, and I'll take it, and I won't pay forward shit. That's not happening. I'm just gonna take it. So. Toodaloo, motherfucker. Um, let's move on to an actual conversation about this book we're reading. <laughs> okay. So, did you have any more notes or anything to say in 51? Uh, I liked how everyone picked on Krindler. Yeah, Krindler's the... They, yeah, they deigned to pick on him. Ah, uh, that's funny. Um, and I really thought avuncularism was a really good shitty name for a disease the doctor was trying to popularize like it really showed his lack of insight and i I was amused by that yeah um the uh i really i really agree like i hate krendler i hate this other doctor it was such a good chapter to read through of just shitty annoying people Mm. being shitty and annoying except margo margo's great margo's Uh, margo's great Oh, and also, uh, clearly, Krenler could have benefited from a new word alert. Like that's what—that's the kind of service we provide. Is if if he didn't know the word uh, Dean, then or Dane or Dane, Dean Dane, uh, whatever. Um, oh, I'm 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 not trying to argue with you. I'm just saying. Oh, that's the word I said two seconds ago in a different way, and I want everyone to make sure that they know we're saying the same word. Yeah. Exactly. And just same that's word. all this. It's not, I'm not knocking you. Tomato, tomatillo, they're the I'll, same I'll, thing. I'll, I'll buy your lunch, okay? Shit. Okay. So, yes, but he could have benefited from it. We That's a service we provide. You're welcome. Mm. Free of charge. Mm. Mm. Join our Patreon, and we might <laughs> add something to it ever. <laughs> Anything else? No. Chapter 52. I got, I got a lot of These chapters are so small. I don't know. I have a lot of notes. Great. Chapter 52. 
Mason reveals to Krendler that he followed Hannibal's instructions to Starling and wrote a message as Clarice in a Melanese magazine intended to publish the day after Posse's attempted capture of Hannibal. He advises that Krendler should use the ad to frame Starling and have her dismissed from the FBI, which would cause her enough grief to hopefully attract Hannibal. Any notes? That's what happens. Moving on. Next chapter. <laughs> uh, Hannibal stalks Clarice to a state park in Virginia. From an overlooking hill, he watches her jog through the forest with the native deer. He recalls memories of his dead sister before breaking into Clarice's car and licking her steering wheel. Like you do. The way that Thomas Harris describes Hannibal's tongue is, like, uniquely disgusting. Um, it's, like, pointed pink and has a mind of its own. Yeah, and it's, like, it's prehensile. It, like, it seems like if, if I, I imagine, like, Gene Simmons' tongue, but longer and thinner. Mm. And, like, very snake-like and... It's funny length doesn't come into it in my imagination. The length very much is a part of what makes it so gross to me. I imagine it being very long. Huh. Yeah, I, I imagined a tiny little tongue that just pops out its head. But I can see why uh, Gene Simmons' tongue would be uh, horrible for you. Yeah, it's really gross. Um, So he does a great it's a, job it's with a, that. It's a weird thing, because I think, because since snakes basically smell with their tongue, it's a, it's a great character description for him, that he sticks his tongue out to, like, you know, smell. It is, in its own way, creepy. Also interesting to think that the way that he, that Harris describes both Hannibal and Mason is by somewhat comparing them to serpentine creatures. Mm-hmm. And I, he did refer. He did. He does describe him as being snake-like, right? I mean, am I missing that? Am I? Oh yeah, no, that? no, no. I, I, I feel like that. I mean, there's there's enough allusions to it. Will Graham, the the mongoose. Yeah. Um. The the tasting the air. I I, I feel like snakes. Okay. Part and parcel with with Hannibal. Yes. Parcel tongue. Ah. Um, Make a parcel. He does say that quite a lot. He does. Okay, so next. I, hold on. Before we move on, that I, I like that chapter. I just want to say that. I thought that that chapter was like interesting as a way to, in more ways than any other chapter, I feel like this chapter puts Hannibal in a sympathetic light mm-hmm. where he is behaving and doing things that like I could imagine a sane, romantic person doing where he's like burning the image of Clarice jogging through the forest into his mind palace because he wants to be able to recall it forever. Mm -hmm. Um, He is reminiscing about his sister's love for the color purple by eating purple berries or purple mushrooms or whatever the fuck he found. I I think they were, it felt like they were grapes, but yeah, I wasn't sure exactly what they were. He's eating. Yeah. He's, he's staining his hands and mouth with purple. Right. Um, and because she loved looking at the purple eggplants because she loved purple and eggplants. So, and I will say, dude, the way he, he, she gets all of a couple of sentences, but just the way he writes Misha as just the happy two year old baby is mm-hmm. heartbreaking. Yeah. And you're and just it, like, Oh, I just want to protect this little creature. And I know that's not going to happen. And that's how he holds her in his mind too, is, mm-hmm. is this, is this tiny baby. Um, so great job. I feel like, 
once again, Harris, has, like, I think like Hannibal of all of his murderers, I kind of would have expected to be the least likely to have those feelings because with, you know, with uh, Francis Dollarhide, you have all of this child abuse that happens to him. That's very clear and very awful. And with uh, James Gum, there's just sort of this like sense of, no, he's the least compat. He's the least sympathetic one. He's the le- they, he spent the least amount of time on him. Yeah, so, it was, so that one was definitely more. Look at the shocking thing he's doing. Don't understand the man. Yeah, and even the stuff he tried to put into understanding his problems was half-hearted. Well, I don't know, maybe, but it's not. What it, it wasn't. He didn't. Okay, it wasn't necessarily half-hearted, but he didn't spend the effort he did with James uh, with Dollarhide. Yeah, there's certainly less capacity for me to empathize with gum than there mm-hmm. is for Dollar Hyde. And I think it's because I don't know why, but maybe I don't wanna I don't wanna say it's all because of something Harris did. It could entirely be because I'm just not as sympathetic to that kind of problem. The problem of murdering women so that you can be them. Right. Um I just it, it just felt like he was less <laughs> of all of the monsters, he's the less fleshed out. Or the least fleshed out. And it <laughs> I'm 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 both proud and appalled. <laughs> um, he so so yeah that's so with Hannibal it's nice to see these chapters because I, I think really what it is is not that I didn't expect it, but that I'm so used to it from the TV show. There's so much of that TV show that gives you so much insight into Hannibal as a man and as a human right. who also does horrific things that the books feel like they don't have as much, and this book really is very helpful to adding context to a lot of the stuff he does in the previous books. So then a, I think a question would be, and this may be too early to touch on it, I don't know, but it's interesting to imagine a world where um, Hannibal's young life was not besought by deserters. Would he have become a monster, or would he have just been a weird guy? I think he pr- still... I think probably would have happened... I'm I'm guessing because you, you say it's early. I think it's still probably early, even considering the the many chapters we're still going to talk about today. Just judging from what I've read, I think he probably wouldn't have considered eating people if his sister hadn't been eaten. If he had a sister who was alive to love and care for, would he be in the business of killing people at all? Uh, I don't think so. But but again, my point is, I think the it seems to me like the. There's a direct line the, to cannibalism. The direct line to cannibalism is the important thing. The idea gotcha. of of he wouldn't have understood that that's the like you fight fire with fire. These horrible monsters that hurt him and, and destroyed his life and killed and ate his sister, they killed and ate his sister. So the way he's going to, because he he doesn't seem to kill innocent people. He no. pretty much goes out and eats bad people. Certainly the rude. Certainly the rude. Um, but even like Migs. He 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 makes Migs kill himself. He will see him kill another person who is not even. I guess he's rude, sort of, but like he's also a criminal, and he kills him in after the act of committing a murder or uh, or uh, committing a crime. Sure. Um. So like, there's a certain vigilantism of of antihero like characterization of Hannibal mm-hmm. that uh, I I feel like really does stem from this trauma with his sister. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the eating, 
I feel like is again is is sort of like a vindictive, spiteful uh, act. Because mm-hmm. I think of it as every time he every time he eats a new evil person, he's 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 like you know sticking it to those people who ate his sister. Yeah. Anyway. So yeah, the great chapter. Uh, very interesting. Also interesting that his sister's uh, death keeps coming up. Like even even in little things in this chapter where he says, you know, oh, there's the doe with the with the arrow stuck in it running by. Don't th- like don't think about that. Like, right. Push that back. I mean, trauma is always there, ready to raise its ugly head. But that's the cool thing about this character is he's so calm, cool, and collected in every other book that we don't see these like we don't see his internal suffering. Sure. Except here. And right. that's what I'm I'm emphasizing here is so fun is is being able to get into that and and see some of those things because uh, again it it sort of humanizes the monster in an interesting way. Mm-hmm. All right, next chapter, fifty four. This chapter details Hannibal's acclimation to living in America once again. He's purchased vehicles, rare instruments, a lease on a fancy house, and fine dining accoutrement. Will these purchases trigger Clarice's tripwires? Hmm. I forgot about those almost. Because wasn't it the the Jaguar he has, the car she said he would have? I think it's either the car or it's close enough. Because I don't know cars. Right, Um, same. I I didn't remember it to go, that's the car. But, like, if if she, knowing that she's already looking out for things like the car and food, and even at some point she she writes down another uh, suit maker. Mm Mm-hmm. It certainly seems like she's on the right track, and if she's doing her job, if, if if I mean even the the Sotheby's right, he didn't go to he went to a very high profile. Oh, a lot of lot house. of I mean a lot of names I've never even heard of, but if you Google them, they're real. But they're like stuff. That, but even if if I'm right, and he did go to Sotheby's auction house for the instruments, that's a extremely high profile place. I mean, it seems like you're not really hiding if you're shopping from them. Yeah. So that's that's the thing that's sort of interesting to me. Okay. Any other notes on that? I, I I super enjoyed this chapter. Just just shopping with Hannibal. It, it was this was this is this is you know living the dream. This is watching uh, Lifestyles in the Rich and Famous or whatever the kids watch these days. It was fun. Made me want a copper saute pan. Made me want a lacquered wicker picnic basket. Made me want a cranial saw. It was great. But remember, don't cook tomatoes in your copper. Oh, absolutely not. Don't absolutely not. Don't do it. Reactive. I know. I remember things. You don't do it. Very no good, very bad. Um uh, the other there was a weird there was a weird name drop in this chapter. Uh about sending something to his cousin Balthus. Yes. Real guy, real French painter. Very weird. And which then, because when I Googled it, it brought up the other Balthus that I am familiar with. And to my credit, discovered independently of Hannibal, which is the fancy uh, necktie knot. Which is also the kind that Mads Mikkelsen wore all throughout Hannibal the TV show. But wow. I was tying along before that, mostly because I looked up fancy knots. And when I bought my suit, they gave me a... The only tie that matched was from the big and tall section, so it was way too long. So this knot uses up a whole bunch of material and worked perfectly. And nice. I really liked it. And that's how I found it. But it was just kind of a fun little bit of uh, serendipity. Hmm. Balthus knot. It's cool. Sweet, yeah. dude. Yeah. Way to go. Right. All right. Next chapter. 
55. Hannibal attends a gun show to purchase hunting knives. While there, he <laughs> learns about a repugnant poacher who's been bothering local fish and game authorities. Hannibal uncovers this uncouth man's personal information from a raffle ticket and, I assume, plans to hunt him with a crossbow and eat his meat. I loved Hannibal at the gun show. This would be the <laughs> chapter that I talked about earlier. Like, I'm on board with Thomas Harris and mentioned out loud to my wife. I'm trying to get there. With the part where he shit talks all their wearing camo and how they look like they just came back from war and... Even, even this. Few genuine outdoorsmen come to gun shows as a matter of taste. Guns are black now, and gun shows are bleak, colorless, as joyless as the inner landscape of many who attend them. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, yes. Look, <laughs> it continues. Look at this crowd. Scruffy, squinty, angry, egg-bound, truly of the resinous heart. They are the main danger to the right of the private citizen to own a firearm. Yes. Oh, like manna from heaven. Love it. I hadn't actually put those together into, I mean, I, I read this whole thing, but that idea that like, I hadn't really understood what he meant by they are the main danger to the private citizen to own a firearm. I hadn't understood what that meant until this moment. Mm -hmm. And I think that is entirely correct. Like these people, the people who do things like go out in public wearing AR 15s, they are the problem. Yes. Like, like these, these people whose identity is, living being a gun toter mm -hmm. is the problem like that culture is is malignant and disgusting and it's it's it, you're right it is refreshing to see thomas harris 20 some years ago because i remember going to my my first gun shows when i was probably nine or ten mm -hmm. and feeling basically this way where it's like i don't understand any of this like i just remember that feeling of like even the point where he mentions this this isn't a this isn't a show of any kind. This isn't a gun show. This is a, uh, like a bazaar. That's right. all it is. It's not, nothing happens here except you have people, uh, hawking wares. And I remember when I went to these, to these things, it would be like, you would have those guys who were just selling knives, but they weren't like, and they were exactly how he describes it. They're mostly fantasy knives, like replica knives or swords or weaponry from, cartoons or or sci-fi shows and then you'd have like the array of like 70 different butterfly knives with their different handles and like batliths yeah yeah but, but like the or or you know hides and camel like all that shit and it just or i remember even going to these things and seeing like old money like people who were like selling collectible like confederate bills or like uh, oh, I thought I thought you meant the people were old money and they were selling like lock, stock, and two smoking barrel style English shotguns. But you no. know, you saw the actual old bills. They were selling old. Yeah, oh. they would sell collectible currency. Sure, 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 sure. Um, that's like in pl in plastic and and mm -hmm. labeled and all that shit. Um, no, the money of the people there is very new and fluid, and it's it's not really it's not new money in the way that people say new money. I mean, it's like these people are just blue collar earners right and this is where they choose to earn or, or or whatever so it uh yeah it was i haven't been to one of those shows in a long time and it was a weird like it was like it was like having a a, a, a memory triggered by a scent 
you know, reading re- reading his uh, reading his descriptions, mm-hmm. and not again. I'm glad I'm not. I'm glad I don't attend those shows because I can't imagine there. I, I imagine now that they are again just sort of flooded with MAGA bullshit. This is all prejudice of mine, but I assume that that's what they're like there. And because again, these are the people who are the the they create the problem they espouse to fight against. Sure. I mean, he opened the chapter saying basically they're no longer fun. They're they're bleak, yes. colorless affairs. And I'm like, well, what would that gun show look like? I'm curious about that gun show. I think it'd be a gun show that's actually about hunting. Oh, okay. <laughs> and actually about something like the, like, go, like, if we're thinking about this as Hannibal's perspective, is it Thomas Harris's perspective or is it Hannibal's perspective? That's a great question, and I'm not sure. I, I feel like... Hannibal is probably closer to Thomas Harris's voice because it's that sure. it's that wish fulfillment. It's that this is right. what I would do if I had superpowers or right. lack of or disregard of the law, or you know didn't have to uh, just be courteous to people all yes. the time. Um, yeah, there's. I, so I have to imagine that there's some element of what Hannibal likes that uh, he likes hunting. He mm-hmm. likes hunting people. It's true. Um, so I imagine that there's some element there that he and Thomas Harris perhaps both enjoy. Like, like, I think that it's perfectly uh, depicted in the problem with gun shows is, as Thomas Harris sees them. It's different how I see them, but I think how Thomas Harris sees them is is encapsulated by that guy who keeps watching just the killing of the deer mm-hmm, mm-hmm. over and over and over again. It's like the hunt isn't important. It's slaughter. These are slaughter conventions. These are violence parades it's about the power he has over a living creature it's not just yes but it's also about the actually glorifying Mm -hmm. the the capacity to have that power and the threat of having that power that's what these people who go to coffee shops with ar-15s are doing all they're (laughs) doing is showing off how, how they could you should respect them because at any given moment, because they spent $1,200 on a firearm, they could just kill you because our country allows them to go around walking outside, wearing shit, announcing, I could kill you if I wanted to. I could. Look at me. I'm not I'm not a helpful member of society. I could just kill you. You should know that about me right off the bat. And the fact that I don't is me letting you live. It's bullying. I, it's bullshit. I have, I have access to both drive-thru lanes. Yes. Anyway, these, uh, yeah. So oh. yeah, it's it's great. I love I love this chapter. I love uh, Thomas Harris shitting on gun shows. Holy shit! What did we miss? No, we didn't. I I mean, I don't know if we missed it, but I think Michael Crichton did. Michael There's a, Crichton. I just happened to look at my book, and I never saw this, or I didn't remember reading this last time. That same chapter. As a frog's eyes pick up movement. So the merchant's eyes noticed noted any pause in the passing crowd. That right there could have been why the T Rex's visual acuity was based on movement because he had fucking frog DNA. Yeah, but why would but why would Grant know that? Well, he knew about the frogs changing genders. But Look, why why my, would he my, know my that? Point, <laughs> my point is, if Crichton walked it back later, this was his out, not shitty writing in the sequel. This and he okay. didn't do it. But but 
what does even I, okay i'm still look I, you would have had yes you would have had to restructure how it was received but you have an actual no, scientific what, but out. it's not actual science this is still fiction that's my point is i no, want to no, see this, the actual but this science. is a ref this isn't like <laughs> when fucking yahoo Sirius convinced me that einstein came from australia okay this is something you could probably go look up but that's what i'm saying i would need to go look it up you then go look it up but i'm saying i'm Michael doing a Crichton podcast didn't. right now Fine, we'll do it later. You and maybe, homework. maybe he did do it. I don't. Maybe think he just so. didn't put it in his book. Nope. Maybe nope. Spielberg did it and just didn't explain it. Just had it as a line in his. Spielberg movie. wouldn't have done that. I, look, I, I just if someone can put in the comments or something a link <laughs> to a, uh, a nature documentary where they discuss frogs' visual acuity or any reptiles and, paper. and ex- explain what vision based on movement means. Why? Why would that be any different than vision? Um, I, I'm just very interested and would love to know. Maybe it has to do with like they're so blind, like they actually don't have that. Like vision isn't very good for them; they don't have it. So the way they hunt is they wait for something to move, and when something moves, they go, "That's food. I'm going after it." And if that's the case, cool. But like, ex- fucking explain it once. Anyway, Hannibal has a frog's eye. No, it was the other guy. It was, it was the, the other guy. The, 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 the other guy has a frog's eye, the, the merchant. Yeah, the merchant. All right. Chapter 56. Margo and Barney work out together, measure their dicks, and allude to some sort of future male bonding time. That's it. Um, There was a line where after they did their first, um, what was it, the bench press contest where he won the money? Yeah. Margot said, I do more squats than you. And Barney said, I know. And she said, what? How do you know? And he said, because I stand to pee. And I had to think about it. I had to think about them like, what? Oh, I get it. That's all. It just amused me that I was very slow on that uptake. Yeah, but then she also says, so do I. Oh, no, no. I know. I know. But (laughs) what what that joke that was being told in that uh, convoluted, non-crude way, not super crude way, was it took me Thank a while you. to suss it out. And I, was, I was amused at how slow I was. This is fine. It's fine. Oh, right. I don't... I, I already told myself it was fine. It was charming. I charmed okay. myself. It's okay. it's okay. I was a breath of goddamn fresh air. Yeah, of course. On a spring day. Chapter 57. Mm. Starling calls known associates of Hannibal Lecter, including the former Senator Martin and briefly interviews them before the, her phone rings, and a Virginia police officer informs her they've discovered the body of a man who's been carved up for meat. Yep. Nothing in this chapter? It was interesting to see Senator Martin again. It's interesting to me that you have no notes in this chapter. Oh. Um, because I have a note that stuck out like a uh, untaped-down clitoris. And <laughs> what? for our first time listeners, that's a reference to something in an earlier chapter. <laughs> it's true. It's 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 definitely it is it is a reference to something that happens in this book. So it's so not go back and start the Hannibal series from the beginning. It's a slightly less crude joke. Much like Barney. See, that's also reference. Look, just listen to the show. If you listen to the show, you'll know what I'm referencing. Okay. So I just want to read this section to you. Okay. This is Clarice talking. Hmm. If I may ask, ma'am, 
I can understand changing the birth year, but why the month and day? The woman says, I wanted to be a Virgo. It matches better with Mr. Rosencrantz. We were dating then. What's your question there, Doug? It just occurred to me that it's sort of like Thomas Harris is kind of saying that a person who deans <laughs> to change their birthday month and day and year or whatever uh is exercising a sort of audacity that is Thomas Harris seems like he's suggesting is akin to a pompous high society woman. I think that's very interesting. A pompous high society woman who was courted by one Hannibal Lecter. Sure, if that's the best <laughs> Deeply important to this element of this. And yeah, sure, that's also Look, true. I was just sick of my birthday being so close to Christmas. <laughs> so I moved it. <laughs> the byproduct of which is I'm a Taurus now. So what? <laughs> Why is that so weird to you and everyone else? Countless mothers and mother-in-laws went, is he serious? <laughs> I say countless. You could really count them. There's one each. I, I don't know. Yeah, and, and in case no one's picked up on this, uh, this would be the first year of new birthday. Um, but again, uh, who cares? Why, 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 why is this such a big deal to everyone? That's what I don't get. I think, I'm just trying to live my life, man. I think you do know why it's such a big deal. And, and it's, it, it's, it's two things. One, it matters not to anyone, really. The thing that is, so, that is worth giving you grief about it is because it seems so arbitrary to everybody else but you and no one does this so that like like because well, it's clearly a... we've got someone who does this no again a fictional character they don't count as people rob they're not real yeah but they're all all fiction is a lie and all lie has a grain of truth in it that's that is the some backwards ass logic that uh, doesn't that make works any sense out. Well, no, it doesn't. no it doesn't no it doesn't if everything is a lie, then if you know everything's a lie, then you see the truth in everything, and everything's true. Okay, Sphinx. Um, so, but what <laughs> the thing—it's that you're, you're. No one does this practice because it, it's an uncommon practice because it's so arbitrary. It seems like it's so arbitrary, and, and there's very little benefit to it. Of all people, of all birthdays, of people who should do it, you'd expect everyone who was ever born on 9-11 to be like, nope, birthday change. Or everyone who's born on Christmas to be like, nope, birthday change. But you just had like a week. You had a week difference from your actual birthday and Christmas. And you were like, I've had enough. <laughs> it's too close. I'm not dealing with this anymore. I deserve better. And I will, I will choose my own birthday. But that's because that week was also so close to New Year's and everyone's just exhausted. They didn't ask me what I wanted to do for my birthday. They beleaguered, went, and what are we doing for your birthday on top of all this other shit? That's what I didn't want anymore. Well, then, as a baby, you should have chosen to wait a little longer. You know, it only occurred to me this year. <laughs> It's great. I, 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 just for the record, I have no problem with it. I just think it's so weird that it's fun to poke fun at. Um, no, I, I know. I just, 
I did not see this as being the the Howard Hughes tissue box on the feet eccentricity that everyone else seems to think it is. Oh, it is though. <laughs> I mean, to to give you credit, okay. So here's I, I have a similar situation. This is you know, my my father's birthday is exactly a week before mine. Mm-hmm. My wife's birthday is exactly a week before that. Uh, I have another very good friend whose birthday is exactly a week before that. Mm-hmm. A week, uh, four days after my birthday is my wedding anniversary. So, like, that whole month is just chock full of that shit where, like, for many years it's been regular for my family to have essentially one birthday party in that month for everyone. Well, that sounds horrid. It is horrible. It is, it is, it, it, it's, nothing says... We're we have an obligation to do this, so we're gonna lump it in all together. More than that, and and when you exactly. when, when you take a a, a a a holiday or a celebration that's actually supposed to be celebratory of an individual, and then you remove that individual celebration because it's more convenient for you to not have to do this once a week. It it cheapens the whole process and, and devalues the experience of having a birthday at all to the point where like for many years, I've not wanted to do anything for it because it's just not, there is nothing special about it. It's a month of cake mm-hmm. and, or, or one day of cake and nobody fucking gives a shit anyway. So anyway, uh, so I, I get it. I get like the, the choice, um, but I wouldn't have, I wouldn't, even attempt the audacity of changing my birthday i guess i'm just an audacious person the audacity of changing your birthday hold on a second hello you're on speakerphone oh you're doing your show yep what time are you done i don't know what's up i was gonna want to see if you wanted breakfast uh i do wanted breakfast i think we'll wrap it up in about half an hour Yes, let's do that. Okay, talk back. Okay. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> now we've got a time limit. Well, good luck. We have ten more chapters. <laughs> well, let's do it, because I never get to go out for breakfast. I don't think you're going out today, man. Okay, here we go. I don't remember what we were talking about. Um, uh, Chapter 57. Yeah, well, that's done. We did the birthday thing. All right, chapter 58. The body of the poacher Lecter identified earlier was found with a crossbow bolt through his head, lying next to an illegally shot deer. The bodies were butchered with all salvageable meat extracted, and the lungs of the poacher extracted through the back in the bloody eagle fashion. Clarice learns all of this while visiting the autopsy room with the bodies and discussing the possibility of Hannibal being back with the local authorities. So uh, Hannibal did in fact kill our poacher, Yep. And take his meat. Not all of his meat. He showed selection when choosing the meat. He didn't take the, the hunter's liver because it was apparently gross and diseased. Man, it's, I know this is weird. This chapter makes me hungry. No, 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 no. Just. It's the, <laughs> it's the sweet breads, man. They're so good. No, I get it. We'll wrap up so you can have breakfast with your wife. It's fine. <laughs> oh, ooh, this chapter makes me hungry. Oh, he eating the man's meat makes me want sausages. Okay. But I also really liked this chapter because 
everyone was kind of having fun and not being a dick. Yeah. Yeah. They were they're they're making little jokes, but not like gross ones. But like uh, you know, the deer the dead deer has a huge case file because we don't know if the deers have a name. They might with each other. Oh, we'll call him John Doe. <laughs> I'm like, this this is fucking cute. It was quite cheesy. It's true. It's it was adorable. Yeah. Gallows should I say humor. it was deer? D- deer? Okay, sure. <laughs> I-, I thought you were going to say it was adorable, but... No, that- that'd be fucking stupid. Okay. Who the fuck would say that? Okay. Not someone in this chapter, because that's fucking dumb. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Sure is. Okay, so... <laughs> Next chapter... Chapter 59, Starling brings the arrow into evidence and has an assertive but friendly conversation with the lab tech. In which this female lab tech, this DNA specialist, does tell Starling that she's sort of a hero to the younger people. But also, Starling in this chapter, who's concerned about her age and is like, I guess I should get used to younger people being around me who are like more successful than I am, gets a sort of boost, I think, when this person says to her, you, you're a lot younger than I expected you to be. So... Chin up, Starling. You still got it. I just thought it was weird that uh, the lab tech was played by Annette Benning. Annette Benning? Because her name was A. Benning. Oh, weird. I didn't notice that. They, they named it a couple times. I mean, I saw that. I didn't know. I didn't figure out Annette Benning was the... Well, the, the, it wasn't really Annette Benning. I'm, I'm being silly. Why would you do this? Why would you be silly? This is a serious t- conversation. I'm creating out of whole cloth... A uh, jape. You should make a fancy. Of, you should make out of cheesecloth something more delicious. Zing. <laughs> okay, chapter sixty. Mason's major domo requests one thousand dollars to pay off Franklin's foster parents. The boy Mason encouraged to feed his cat rat poison. Margot continues to be unsuccessful in persuading Mason to give her a child, or at least his semen. This is this is where in the book I was starting to feel the oppressive weight of all the horrible people in this book. Yeah. Uh was it was it Cordell who The Major Domo Mason was like, You didn't you didn't fuck around with the kid, right? He's like, No, 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 no I wouldn't do that. Say on that. Property. He says they won't find anything inside him, will they? <laughs> just <laughs> I'm just like, everyone in this book is awful. God damn it. it- Okay, fair enough, but I think it's I, I also think it's kind of fascinating to imagine a villain so nefarious as Mason to find a way to what's the word sleuth? Is that the word? To like sus do, maybe? No, what do you do when you're gold panning? The sleuth box. Oh, sleuth, sleuth? Sleuth. He's he's sleucing out these people who are all awful and getting rid of all he's he has an ability to find awful people but he has an even stronger ability to find awful people with discipline who can mm-hmm. follow directions and do a, the job he asks them to do mm-hmm. and that is incredible to me like that that is again it's all fiction it's not that incredible but it's 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 a it's a smart way of depicting this sort of child molesting mastermind um Oh no! It it it's good storytelling. It just well, it, it it makes you it does make you realize there are just there's a lot more darkness in the world than you're often exposed to, and it's disheartening. I'll just remind you again: this is still fiction. 
So this isn't actually I, I, the I world. Still, I, uh, I don't know. Maybe there's everyone's awful. <laughs> it's just just remember, this is all fiction. This none of this really happened. I don't know, man. The, the, the president Balthus, the president, you got the pre- it. The president in 1996 <laughs> was never impeached. It's not all of this is fiction. So I thought he was impeached. Yep. I don't know when you're doing a bit. <laughs> I need we're supposed to here, we talked about this. There's supposed to be a signal or some semaphore or something. Because I'm like, oh no, Doug is under the misapprehension of what happened in 1996. I better correct it for him. No, this I'm is trying sound to sound quite silly on I'm on, trying on the recording. To, uh, humorously undercut my previous point by establishing the parts of the book that are happening. Well, that's in why reality. you need to be making a winky face like this. But the, but the winky face cheapens the art. Uh. <sighs> okay, so, um, but my point is again. It's not real people, but it is interesting as a storytelling world building element to say, like, if I'm a reader and I'm listening to all these people who were helping Mason Verger commit these crimes, I have to wonder why. What mm-hmm. is it about these? How, how? Why are these people so morally vacant? Why are they okay with doing all these things? And Thomas Harris, without announcing and explaining it outright, provides us examples of explaining like these people are also awful people. That they have the incentive of they are working in a sort of cabal of of horribleness so that they can all be rich and have an area where they can commit their horrible crimes safely mm-hmm. and in a in a in a a sphere of of uh, security and I think that is a really fascinating like addition because it helps explain why to me it helps explain why there's so much loyalty to Mason. The pornographer loves to be able to sit around and make pornography. The this this guy is a child molester who wants to be able to do that, uh, indulge himself occasionally, and Mason makes that easy. So it's great. All right, you ready for the next chapter? I am. Let's do it. Sixty-one. Margot and Barney are friends now. They exercise together. They watch TV together, and Margot thinks it's okay for them to shower together. She should have run that past Barney who misreads the situation and pays the price. The price is Margot's forearm smashing against his face. They reconcile, but Barney makes it clear he doesn't want to see her naked anymore. So more, more graphically and specifically, Barney's showering after exercising. Margot comes in naked. Barney is aroused by Margot's nudity and interprets their friendship and her walking into his shower the, the naked as a flirtatious action mm-hmm. and he moves forward with aggressively to fulfill the desires he's struggling with and she lets him know that that's not what she intended which is one of the best examples of how uh, I think of how easily signals can be mixed <laughs> I was really uh, enchanted with them talking it out and figuring their shit out at the end of the chapter I like that yeah, it almost never happens ever. Yeah, but there, there was. I wish there was a little bit more exam, examination as to Margot. Why did you think this was okay? Like, right, like that. That was the part that like they do a little bit where she says like I thought I was just one of the guys. We could be one of the guys or something like that. And it was like, no, <laughs> <laughs> not like this. No, 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 no. Thank you. No, but I agree. Um, 
my only note here is that I know her ovaries are apparently ruined, but she might have a solution to her verger baby problems with Barney. Shrug. Hmm. But Maybe. she she seems to be very like I'm. It's interesting because I, I I the the TV show version of Margot is not afraid of having sex with men. Is actually seems to enjoy it, and sometimes. And uh, I was I was kind of expecting that to be a similar level of machination that she could produce well, in the book. Remember in the TV show, uh, Mason forced a hysterectomy on her, so she yes. still needed the 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 DNA to come from him. Right, but she, but she, but she, but she. My my point is that she also has sex with Will Graham willingly. Sure, um, sure. and seems to enjoy it, and that is the part that. I would kind of expect her to be open to doing in this in this book too because of that character, mm. but they're different, and that's they that's fine. Different. Yeah, they, them talking it out is is uh, is good. All right, chapter sixty two. Hannibal eat drinks and is merry with the thought of sending Clarice a bottle of wine on her birthday. That's it's really some some of these chapters are just little like asides and and yep. just tastes of different uh, scenes that happen in this world. This is one of them. Mm -hmm. Chapter 63. The DNA lab techs call to Clarice concerning Lecter's DNA match is intercepted and forwarded to Krendler and therefore Mason. Mason begins making arrangements for his pigs to come stateside. Do you think the eyelash on the quarrel was on purpose? Like, do do I think that Hannibal Lecter left uh, eyelash deliberately? Mm Mm-hmm. Maybe, but it's also like the smallest amount of hair to fall off of a person and seemingly it would be seems like it would be very easy to not notice it. Sure. So maybe I don't have any reason to suspect that that's the case right now. But if your question is, do I think Hannibal wants to be caught a little bit? I don't think he would leave the guy out there if he didn't want to be caught. I don't know if he wants to be caught. I thought he wanted to send up a signal. Yeah, I, I think he. I think he does. I think he wants okay. to make, announce his presence. Yes, um, <clears throat> that. But uh, do I think that that? I, mean, I wouldn't put it past him, but I don't have any reason to say that he to suspect that he did it on purpose. Fair enough. Uh, Sixty-four. Mason's pigs begin their medicated voyage across the Atlantic to the New World. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> Sixty-five. Margot offers Barney $5 million to kill Mason. He refuses, she fires him, and it seems their friendship is over. Yeah, it's going to undercut the whole chapter where they talked it out and made everything better with words. I really expected this chapter to be her approaching him with being like, you and I should have sex, you should inseminate me. Like, I really expected that to be where this was going, not let's murder Mason and extract his semen. But that um, it, 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 that's not viable. She can't have a baby. I know, but like, I... Look, I, I have I live in a world where people will self-diagnose them, them uh, self-diagnose things, and so like I don't know if she is self-diagnosing her ovaries being useless or not. I'm going to assume that because she's done so much fertility testing with her her partner, and has access to all the medical anything she wants, that she has had herself tested through and through. Again, I'm less inclined to to assume things about fiction than you are, so it's hard for me to like be okay with that ex- like with, with with doing that ahead of time. I mean, I, some sometimes you just gotta look and and say, I see all the puzzle pieces and I know the shape they make. Let's move on. 
I don't I see I think it's not that for me. For me it's that I can see the puzzle pieces, I can see the shape they make, I don't trust it. It's a matter of trust because there is no confirmation. So to me, without the confirmation, it's just as likely that this could be the case as that she has all those medical things as it is that she self-diagnosed. And I would, my hope is that on the self-diagnosis side, that there's an opportunity in the storytelling for another character to come in and introduce a concept or for their, this revelation to occur as it would in, in some fictions um, for them to be like, actually, there's an alternative to just murdering my brother and cattle prodding his prostate. Um, <laughs> like, I, I, and and that that's what I'm that's what I was hoping for was something that would feel a little different, and and hoping for that alternative off ramp to find a different avenue for the story to go. But unfortunately, it it sort of saved the route, uh, saved the course, and it is where it is. Right. Um. My only note in this chapter is that Barney continues to be a fascinating character, but I do suspect he'll assist Hannibal before this is all over. Mm. Why else would he be here? Chapter 66. Mason's pigs arrived on the farm. Mostly this chapter is a reminder of how scary and monstrous his pigs are. Yep. Terrifying. Um, Scary pigs. (laughs) Um, Chapter 67. Krendler fantasizes about firing Starling and what he'd say to her when he does. This chapter highlights perhaps the origins of his brutal homophobia in being questioned about his poor sexual performance as a young man. Now, this is where fiction takes a bit of a turn for me. Like, I have a harder time believing in this uh, shrewish demon woman who was like, ha ha, you can't get it up. You're a queer. You're a queer. Is that is that a, is that a likely thing? No, I think that uh, you, in a, in a reversal of characterizations, you may being too you may be being too literal. I think that that you're a queer thing is his head echoing. It's not that she's saying it over and over and over again. She said it once, and then he that's the part he fixates on. Even and that's then, I mean, I mean, I, I I this book is painting a a lurid tapestry of the different kinds of horribleness, but that one's a hard one for me to 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 swallow. Um, but I guess I guess I guess people could could do that uh yeah i mean i think that there's look there's all kinds of people (laughs) that's true and i wouldn't i it doesn't it doesn't strike me as uh unrealistic to imagine that there's a person who would be so uncouth as to think that that would be a playful way of encouraging someone to fuck them i i have a harder time imagining a woman i know that's my issue you, you know what, Rob? You need to meet more women. That's <laughs> probably true. You need to meet more horrible, disgusting, awful women. <laughs> and then and then you'll know how the fairer sex is equivalently awful. And any sort of illusions we have about anything different are just that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Look, the point is... Turn. People are disgusting and awful and horrible. Gender doesn't separate those that fact from anything. Sure. <laughs> um. <laughs> but but it, it 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 really, I feel like Krenler really dug in deep here and 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 doubled down on his horribleness. He did, and he does. And also, I'll I'll just reiterate that my familiar refrain. This is still fiction. This isn't a real person. Oh, no, I so, know that. No, no I'm, I'm saying, saying it to myself. The, I'm the, saying it. 
I'm saying it to myself about like insisting that you need to meet real weird women who are awful, like this fictional woman who is awful, who's doubly fictional because she's fictional in the fictional person's head. Exactly. Exactly. Fiction squared. Fiction squared. Um, but I do like that we get that sort of uh, villain villain's origin story about Crandall being so hateful to queers because one time he was called a queer and it broke him. Right. Like that's that's amazing. Um it uh a little bit of a of a tangent here. Tangent time. I uh been watching a lot of professional wrestling recently specifically of the, from the 1990s like 90, 96 97 in the in the wwf at that time there was a wrestler named gold dust gold Dust's gimmick was that he was covered in shiny gold onesie outfit he would cut he would paint his face all gold and he wore a big blonde wig and he would come to the ring in a uh like a robe that was feather boa lined and he uh, had a uh, his his real life the, the performer's real life wife would accompany him to stage as his manager. She smoked a big cigar and she was also draped in gold, and they were very fancy. And he was supposed to be from Hollywood, California. He was supposed to be this like, I think he was supposed to be kind of like a Buffalo Bill style character, like this hmm. guy who wants to live in the body of a fan, who wants to feel fancy. He wants to feel he wants to be flamboyant. He he wants to be flamboyant, but he's also very demure and quiet but like it expresses his individuality or his his need to feel beautiful outwardly but doesn't really do a lot internally and he mm-hmm. has he there is a little bit of his characterization that's a little like homophobic in certain ways where there's allusions to him being like swishy i think is the the best way to describe how they characterize this person this character so while we're watching at one point he comes out and another character one of the announcers comes out and basically starts giving him shit starts giving gold dust shit and saying to him things like why do you care about this other guy trying to take your manager and make her his like lady friend manager why would that matter to a guy like you is the question that's asked to this to gold dust and gold dust says what do you mean like me and they start this really awkward 90s style conversation where, bush. <laughs> yes where, where he's saying well you know like a guy like you well and, and he says what do you mean he goes well you know because of what you are and Goldust says i don't know what you mean what do you mean what what am i and the other guy says you know well like are you and Goldust says am i what and the other guy says he's just so he's just like he's beating around the bush he's trying not to say it and he looks at him and he just goes you know a queer and Goldust, the crowd's like hushed, like, oh my God, I can't believe he said that. And then Goldust takes the microphone and says, no, and then punches the other guy in the face. <laughs> and I thought that it's such a wonderful example of what what society could be. Because in a sense, the, the, the first guy, the guy doing the interview, he's, he's very classically a bad guy. Like, he's the heel. He's the bad guy in this situation. So his perspective is is condemned by the fact that he's having it. That that right. character is saying those things means that he's the bad guy. And those perspectives, therefore, are bad. Goldust, a guy just living his life and being who he wants to be, even though that is avant-garde and, and bizarre and, and out of touch, 
or out of touch, um, but just out of sync with the with norms, is actually the hero because he's living his truth. At, uh, allegedly, the character is supposed to be, um, and that truth does not actually involve his sexuality, which is not significant to who he is as his identity as a as a, a person who's ostensibly out, but differently out, and it just. It makes me think about it, like I, I reading this chapter and seeing that story recently made me think about the like put me in a mental time capsule of what it was like to think about like how how popular media was dealing with homosexuality in that time period, mm-hmm. which is interesting because it feels somewhat antiquated. But at the same time, it's got to still be present like sure. those same struggles, the same problems with being like, I don't want someone to think I'm a queer Despite literally having a lot of, a lot more queer tendencies. Well, no, but no, having a lot more queer acceptance in society. Oh, having so much more like accepting of of people with those proclivities is, I would I would guess in a in a rational world would result in a lot fewer people having these hangups about being perceived as queer, or even the idea of like using the perception of someone being queer as a cudgel. Which is exactly what happened when I was growing up, um, which is like you know at this at the same time period. So it's it's fascinating to look back at these things and see them and hope to anything that this shit stops at some point or like hopefully we're on an upswing where this is less a part of our society and um, build the world that has fewer of these this bigotry and this bullshit. It makes and it's wonderful to see that character like Krendler, who has those hangups, be the bad guy. Mm-hmm. And that's it's just rad and it's great. <laughs> and I think I think the WWF missed an opportunity with Goldust to uh, really, really like put <laughs> over a character who could be a champion of of queer identity and the in the, the the massive diversity therein, where you can be a person who loves to wear wigs and and walk around. In, covered in gold and paint your face up all beautiful and, and, and sashay through the world and that doesn't mean that you're not available to fuck chicks and I think that that's, a, that's the world of acceptance I want to live in and I think they missed a, a chance by not making him a bigger deal I agree <laughs> chapter 68 <laughs> last chapter in this, in this episode uh, I don't actually quite know what happened in this chapter it certainly seems like hannibal exhumed a corpse and stole the remains under the guise of a man buying a new coffin yes i think that's what happened but yes. then it just ends and there's it's just i mean there's nothing. clues to the corpse i don't remember who's is it it's not james gum is it yeah i don't know whose corpse it is you don't know whose corpse it is huh i don't i mean it, it was it was all let me look at yeah, it i'm I, gonna I, try to go to it really quick um, I know there was a conversation about a t-shirt, a hat, a cowboy hat, a triple with X a bullet beaver, hole in it with a Fort Worth crease. Uh, and more importantly, the skull mossy and clogged and only partially exposed had good high cheekbones that he had seen before. I don't remember. I mean, I, I don't remember who this describes. It must've been someone who, no, someone he's saying was... he's recognizing the features. Yes. Oh, wait. Is it, um, he's not recognized. Mm. I, I don't, I, 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 is it Chilton? No, 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 no. It's oh. not someone we've met before. Oh, 
Yeah, I don't have no idea what they're talking about then. What's another reason you would recognize someone's features? Because they're like yours. Or? They are yours. No. <laughs> wow. <laughs> You're going the wrong way. Go the wrong way. <laughs> or there's someone else's. Yes? Like someone you recognize. Genetically. Oh. Oh, like Hannibal's son? I don't... No. Yeah, I don't For... I don't get it. That's fine. Oh, like someone I, I, I've Oh, read oh the wait, book, wait, wait, so... wait, 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 wait. I it's Clarice's dad. It's Clarice's dad. It could very well be. There you go. Okay. Got it. So it's not his relation. It's someone else's he knows his relations is. There we go. Yeah. Okay. Uh, weird. All right. <laughs> yes. So... Yes, very much so. So, uh, do you have any more notes in that chapter? Some guys send flowers. <laughs> <laughs> wow. No, I don't think I have anything more in that chapter. Okay. Uh, then we have, I'm sure, a brief new word alert. New word alert. This new word alert has uh, two words that I don't have the capacity to use a text-to-speech to make it, it sound like they're how they're pronounced. So I'm just going to do it myself. So the first one is... Dinair. Dinair. Denaire? I think that's... I mean, I'm guessing how it's pronounced. Like, it's a word that's used in these chapters. Can you spell it? D-I-E-N-E-R. I remember seeing it. I don't remember how it was used. Um, a denaire is a noun describing a person who helps move corpses in a morgue. Hmm. That's the title that, I was going to look job. it up, and I didn't. Right. That's what uh, Barney did for employment for a while. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So similar to Major Domo, where I'm like, I I know I should know what this is, and I looked it up. And I was like, oh yeah, that's that makes sense. Okay, next is resinous. I assume thick and treacly. Resinous Probably. heart, right? Yeah, so this is a resinous heart. I uh, yeah, I just assumed it was like a a swampy kind of clogged, but but not from uh fat, but from like hatred. Interesting. That is not how I interpreted it. Okay. Um, not, I interpreted not, not hatred per se, but just like ugliness and and still. Uh, uh, Anyways, what do you I think have? you get. I think you get what his. No, you're entirely on point with his uh, intention. Mm-hmm. What he wants. What he's. Uh, what he wants to illustrate with this word is what you picked up. What I envisioned was slightly different uh, and more literal. I interpreted it like actual, like resin, like clear hard empty like a, 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 a word this is describing an empty and hard heart oh. so like like you would have for like uh what's it Pol- polymer resin was that like sure, yeah 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 it's like that but like like pharaoh had to harden his heart i don't know what you mean in 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 exodus wasn't it the pharaoh who had the heart or was it moses somebody I hardened their heart okay but in that it's just it's willfully just stop caring about somebody. See, no, I don't think it's that. I think it's that they're they're not willful. It's just I, this. He's he's describing these people who are v- vacant in their souls, and into it's a way to illustrate that he's describing their hearts being hard and empty, as like they would be if they were filled with resin. Sure, I That's think we're saying I the same thing. I think we are. 
<laughs> okay, so those are the two words. But like the resinous was something where I was like, I, I really need to look this up. And I was like, because I feel like I know what the root word is. Sure enough, it, that's certainly what it seems to be. Mm-hmm. I might have another word that I do have a sound for. Ah, oh, here we go. Yes, I do. Pian. Pian? P-A-E-A-N. So not peon. Uh, I know this word, and I couldn't. I think it's still a person, right? It's a kind no. of person. Nope, 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 no. It's not a. It's not. A, it's not a stupid. Stupid. What is it? It's in these chapters. Yes, yes, yes. Um, it's a noun describing a joyous song or hymn of praise, tribute, thanksgiving, or triumph. Oh, I was way off. Yeah. Yeah, you were. Stupid. Double stupid. Uh, and that's uh, that's my new words. Did you have any I have, new words? I have no new words. Then I believe that was Death Readers. Next time, I don't actually have a list of... I don't have our chapters. I don't so have this. 69. <laughs> nice. It's, it starts with 69. Here, let me just cut cut all this out. You know, just... Are, uh, are, we, uh, are we just going to the end? No. Oh. That'd be like a hundred and some pages. It'd be 150 pages. We're gonna we have two more episodes. Oh, I didn't I didn't realize there's that much left in the book. Yeah, we're on, this is a start of part four. Yeah. Notable occasions on the calendar of of dread. Starting with that. I left. It looks like I left my other bookmark upstairs. So we were going to be reading from part four, notable occasions on the calendar of dread, through chapter. 85 not 86 not 86 don't read 86 okay and that's what we'll that's what we'll sink our teeth into next time all right well that in fact was death readers i'm doug i'm rob thanks for listening thank you if you've enjoyed this podcast please rate review and subscribe on apple Podcasts, podbean or wherever you get your podcasts these reviews help new listeners find us and join the discussion Follow us on Twitter and like our new Facebook page for Death Readers News. Become a patron at Patreon slash Death Readers. And please discuss us extensively on Reddit. The bodies were butchered with all salvageable... Ugh. The bodies were butchered with all salvageable... Fucking, why is that word hard? Salvageable. Sal- salvageable. Salvageable.